Welcome to another installment of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we are going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh as we talk with Betsy Salkind. I'm so excited to have Betsy Salkind here, who is a Comedy Store regular. Um, You might be known as the Squirrel Lady. Um, You used to work at the Federal Reserve. Born in Troy, New York. For those of you who don't know, it's about two hours away from New York City, according to Google. And um, I love your bio because you did something early on and got banned as a comic. Yes. And it took you a while to make your way back in. <laughs> and so, and I love that um, you wrote a book called More Than Once Upon a Time, um, which is a short, illustrated, children's-style book. Um, that tells the story of a child who is raped by her father and his friends, but manages to overcome it and then ruin his life. And it just sounds like very uplifting. And uh, I love that you like to talk about issues <laughs> that people are like, I'm uncomfortable. Yes. So Yes. But if I can make them laugh at that discomfort, we're good. Even good. Even better. Yeah. Doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Yeah, people are, it's funny how people like to just sweep I things know. under the carpet. Yeah. They do. So tell me, you worked at the Federal Reserve. I did. And you I, loved it. It was riveting. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Um, it was <laughs> – I didn't last long. Okay. Um, although I did quit before they fired me. Oh, okay. Um, I was a Federal Reserve bank examiner. So I was like that person in um, It's a Wonderful Life who like ruins everyone's life. Oh, okay. Great. And, <laughs> um, yeah, and it just was um, – Really, I, I the reason I went there is uh, I thought it would be a light, nice forty-hour-a-week job, and then I could be a comedian at night. Right, and uh, it didn't work out because they would send me to these really small towns in Suncook, New Hampshire, and and places where there were no comedy clubs. And <laughs> the only time I could have gotten a spot was a weekend, and as a starting comic, they don't give you Friday and Saturday nights. That's so weird that way. It's so unfair. I know. So unfair. I know. Um, and it was really a, a shocking experience because I think up until that point, I thought corruption was something that happened in other countries, right. but not in the U.S. Never. <laughs> Never. And um, I saw things and I heard things and was asked to change reports on certain banks. Wow. And um, and I remember one bank I went into, um, they had – it was actually completely mobbed up to the point where – like most of the board of directors were literally mobsters and the way that the bank was – and I can talk about this now because it, it, the bank went under. Oh, good. And some of it became public information. But the the bank would had a lot of fourth mortgages on racetracks. <laughs> okay. And so the, the mob would threaten people who didn't pay off their loans at the bank. And then at the same time, if there were people who owed money to the mob, then the bank would give them the money to pay the mob. So it was very – Questionable, but but none of the regulators wanted to do anything because they were all afraid of the bank. And apparently, the state of Massachusetts had a lot of rather large uh, deposits in there that were bigger than the FDIC covered hundred thousand dollars. So they didn't want to bust them. Right. So it just failed eventually. Wow. And so, how long were you there? Uh, just over a year. I think I went from like November. Of uh, like 86 to January of 88. So I could say 86 to 88, but it was really just over a year. Okay. And did you major in comedy or did you major in 
Bank Reserve. Oh, yeah, I have a, a master's in comedy. No. Okay. Uh, yeah, because yeah, they, <laughs> they have that now, right? No, I don't. I um, actually have a, a master's in management science from MIT. Okay. All right. Which has really served me well in comedy. Yeah, I know. It's a lot because they do ask a lot where you got your degree. They do. But I tell you, the one advantage to that is I had comedian friends who thought, well, I'll have to continue being a comic because there's nothing else I can do. And I never had that right. feeling. Like, I knew I could do other things. I just didn't want to. Right. Well, and I do have comedy friends that really can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. they really don't. They're stuck. They're sort of stuck. They they need to be funny because yeah. uh, no other options. Yeah. So um, so you were – so was this your first job, Federal Reserve? It, um, yeah, actually it kind of was. It was my first like official job after mm-hmm. graduate school. And have you gotten any checks that were bigger than your weekly paycheck at the Federal Reserve oh, since yes. leaving? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first fun big check from doing stuff you love? Oh, I wish I – I remember the first check. Uh, it, it was at like $50 <laughs> and I was so excited to get it. Um, the first big one, I don't remember. That's sad. I don't remember. But I know like when I started writing for Roseanne, that was when I started to have money. Yeah. And did you ever, I, I know sometimes people like they get that first $50 bill and they frame it. No, I spent it. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm cashing the check. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'll I t- might take a picture. Exactly. But I'm, yeah. I'm not going to waste that. that 50 bucks. Yeah. I earned it. Exactly. I earned it the hard way. Exactly. And shortly after that gig, I was actually offered a $50 gig. Um, this I was living in Boston at the time. And um, it w- I was going to be like the opener or the middle for another comic. And I didn't have a car then. So I was going to have to ride to the gig with the headliner. But the headliner was this comic who, who like all of his material was about killing women. Oh, nice. And I was really s- seriously worried that he was going to kill me and let's leave me at the side of the road and i i ended up turning down the gig even though i really needed wow. the money and the experience but i was afraid wow well because he probably would have just then he had more time now we're facebook friends right but oh okay yeah well, it turned out he was just kidding about it oh well that you never know you don't there's some crazy people out there mm-hmm. so were you always funny as a kid no um not at home anyway but I you did plays of, with your brothers. Yes. You performed Yeah, shows. I was always the Wicked Witch. Yes. And my little brother was the princess. Okay. Um, he was blonde and blue-eyed. And, okay. Now, is he still a princess or has he evolved no, into a prince? No, he's, he's a man. Okay. He's an adult man now. Oh, okay. And I don't think that was what I did to scar him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were other things. And how many siblings? I have three brothers. Three brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And then, and then, so how did you get the comedy bug? What? So it was kind of. Uh, I first of all, I've always loved laughing, mm-hmm. and would always get in trouble at school because I would start laughing with my friends and then not be able to stop. You know, I'd be like practically throwing up laughing, and they go go in the hallway or go to the principal just for laughing, right? Um, and maybe I was laughing at them some, but yeah. And then I wanted to be a serious actress, actually. And I kept and people laughed at that. Or? Kind, yes, yes, and still do. Yeah, but I was always like a little bit slapstick. You know, I was a little clumsy. I'd fall down. Very, you know, naturally slapstick. Right. And just kept getting laughs from things that I thought were serious. Or and then I discovered like comedic roles, and I was like, okay, that's for me. Yeah, yeah. Because then you can try to be serious, and then if it yeah doesn't work, it's still yeah. funny. 
And I love it. I love making people laugh. No, that's cool. Yeah. Now, one of your most famous roles, maybe I'm wrong, but I think you're known most famously as Squirrel Lady. Yes. yes. Um, which is where actually I met you at Acme when yeah. you were doing, we were doing the, um, the Jubilee, uh, something Jubilee show that uh, was up late night yeah. and you would come and be a squirrel. Yep. Yep, um, I, <laughs> it doesn't play well on radio, on or radio. podcast. <laughs> Trust me, it's uh, funny. But it, you can see it on YouTube. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like a three or four minute silent bit yeah. where I just behave like a squirrel and eat a giant cracker. I started, It used to be matzah. Yeah. Now I'm gluten-free, so it's a toasted rice tortilla. Oh, does that work as well? No. No, because, well, and is it square? It's round. Oh. But it doesn't work as well just because it falls apart more well, easily. It, it's sort of fun when you would turn the... Yeah. But I, as being, when I still I, turn it. You still turn it, but it's round. It's not. It's, it's round. Not as funny. It's not as fun when you get to the. Yeah. Well, as a stage manager for that Jubilee show, and I know watching other people when we had you up in the belly room doing the show, yeah. you always see the look of terror on the person that's going to have to clean up the crumbs mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's a lot of crumbs. Yeah, there's a club in San Francisco that wouldn't book me because of the squirrel. Oh, hilarious. Because they cared more about their vacuum stuff, you know, yeah. w- than they did about whether it was funny for the audience. Vacuums are expensive. You mm-hmm. really got to mm-hmm. you got to think about jokes in yeah. vacuums. That's- so what did you – did your, were your parents very – were you uh, well off? Did you guys consider yourself middle class? Did um, – how? what was your life growing up as a kid around money? Um, well, we were definitely middle class, maybe – Maybe upper middle class. I don't know. We went to public school, but we lived in areas that had really good ones. Right. And it was back in the day where they had good public schools. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we had our own house, and I even had my own room. Um, so we were never um, – you know, we had enough money for sure. Now, my dad was a bit of a freak around money. In what so way? He was uh, very stingy, very um, – like when it was time to get shoes for school – we would go to this place called the Little Red Shoe House, which was defective shoes that were cheap. Mm-hmm. And he would say, you could have whatever you want for under $3. <laughs> and I really wanted this $5 pair of boys' sneakers. And the only thing for $3 were these pointy girls' shoes that I, would, I had no interest in. And, and I said, what if I pay the extra $2? Nope, it's the principal. So, wow. And I guess he had my mom on a pretty small uh, um, allowance. Wow. So a big night out was going to McDonald's or Burger King or Jack in the Box. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, it's a big family, mm-hmm. four kids. I mean, I had there were five of us, five kids, and we probably went to McDonald's, as, as sad to admit, but we probably went to McDonald's maybe four times a year, and that was huge. It yeah. was really a big deal. Yeah. And people were like, you guys are really sad because <laughs> – but for us, it was – and we thought that was – I thought Red Lobster – we went to Red Lobster once. And that was that was out of our oh, league. My, well, yeah. we saved up. I mean it was yeah. like a three-year yeah, promise. That, that's a big night. That's a big night. Yeah. Red Lobster. Yeah. Biscuits. Oh, yeah. You couldn't get the lobster, but you could get three <laughs> choices of shrimp, man. It was – You could scrounge in the dumpster out back. Yeah. But then when I found out that Red Lobster was sort of – like people looked at me and said, Bob, that's actually not a real seafood restaurant. Mm. And I'm like – no, no, no. There's a lobster in the That's logo. right. That's right. And you get bibs. 
And you get bibs. It's it's real. It's real. It was real for me. I I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. And my how- mom would roll pennies. Okay. So that's how we went out to dinner. Did you? And how was your mom around money? Like, did she splurge for you when she could? Or she, my mom was. Um, yeah, she was. She was not like that. And in fact, I think my mom grew up with more money than my dad. Like, my mom was solid middle class. Her father was a doctor, and mm-hmm. but my dad's was more working class. And and I think he had um, issues with that. Yeah. So you know they had they had some differences certainly. Well, when you went off to college, was that on the assumption that you would get a scholarship? Um, was it on the assumption that no? And looking back, I'm actually really grateful to my parents for helping out with college, and it was not cheap. And um, you know, I had to take all as much loans as I could get and and um, contribute, but they did help out. So I have to I have to give them credit for that. That's cool. Is there anything else you have to give them credit for? Or is that the only thing they get credit for? They've, they, I mean, actually, I have to say that the, their kind of commitment to education was a pretty cool thing. So what, were they excited that you decided to give up like a real job to be a comic? <laughs> were they just like super thrilled? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until probably 10, 20 years. You know, once I got that job for Roseanne, then it was like, okay. It's real now. It's real now. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you- even now. My mom always says, are you getting paid? Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Right. It's always about the pay. And do you feel like um, now are your brothers, do they have like professional jobs that are – or is it a mix? Um, it's a mix. But, it, well, my brother – yeah, I have a brother who's a, a lawyer, criminal mm-hmm. defense attorney. Okay. brother who's a vet. We all work for ourselves. Okay, smart. Nobody can have a boss. No. Yeah, I, I would agree uh, with that. Yeah. What's the best part about not being – Beholden to somebody else, um, or being your own boss. I guess it's that they can't fire you. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I'm a great boss to right. myself. Right. I no kinda, vacations. No. Not great pay. Yeah, yeah. Just like kind of, kind of a dickish boss to myself. Yeah. I did think of a money story from my childhood. Oh yeah, yeah, life, yeah. Which is that, of course, you know, like most children, we were little thieves, and we would steal money from my mom's purse or the drawer where she kept stuff. And um, and I would always steal, you know, small change, small bills, coins. And my brother, <laughs> he would steal a $20 bill and then oh. say, look, I saved my allowance. <laughs> and did your parents ever figure that out? Of course. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because it's not like he had a bank account where he could take the coins and turn it into a 20. He right. stole the $20 bill. That's – well – I remember when I was a kid and we were in Vegas and I put five pennies. My mom puts five pennies in the slot machine for me and I ended up winning a hundred dollars. Whoa. And then my parents stole that from me. Mm, not cool. Uh, they, they did dip into not our savings cool. a little bit, but there were five kids. Yeah. It was, it was a little tight. So I, I think I just sort of, whenever I'd win stuff, I went, oh, that won't be for me. Just the moment. Yeah. I'll just enjoy the moment. I'm gonna did get you a ever get it back? Here. I never did. Mm. No, no. And Bastard. they still deny it to this day. Well, we, yeah. It was, so, it was, went to Red Lobster, didn't it? It did. It paid for Red Lobster. I paid for that sauce. Yeah. It's the best. So, um, first comedy gig that, like, you went, this is, this is it. Like, you got paid and there was a good crowd. You didn't get banned. Yeah. I can't remember 
what it was, but I do remember one gig uh, back in Boston at the Majestic Theater, which is uh, Emerson College. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they own it or it's theirs, but but I did uh, a show there as part of a festival, a women in comedy festival, and it was a huge crowd, and they were just – I was killing. Uh, I'm old school. It's killing, not killing it. Right. Okay? There's no it. Right, yeah. Um, and I just remember being on stage thinking, oh, my God, I cannot believe I get to do this. This is unbelievable. And just – I mean, and there have been enough gigs like that over the years that I, I can never stop. Can you remember your the worst gig, like where you yes. wish that it was a, like a 30-second set? Oh, I think one of the worst gigs I ever had was in London at the Comedy Store. Oh, okay. Unrelated the to this unrelated, comedy store. Unrelated. God knows. Not the world-famous comedy store. Yeah, the unknown English comedy store. Exactly. And <laughs> I wasn't very far into my career, so I wasn't, you know, a great comic. Um, and they put me on at midnight. Mm. So I went on, like, after all the regular show. And the audience – I don't know if you know this, but British people like to drink. Yeah. So they, they don't have had much else to do. Quite a lot of drinks by the time I went on. Ew. And it was during I think Reagan uh era. Okay. And they were not fond of Americans. Right. Um <laughs> I wasn't fond of Reagan either, but they didn't care about that. And um they threw like pints of beer at me. It, it was pretty awful. Wow. I, I remember crying after that and thinking, I'm never going to do this again. And then what well, I did. And then how did you but and what gave you the courage or the wherewithal to I'm doing this? Good question. I probably had something booked, so I kinda like had to do it. Oh, okay. But there were many years where I would go back and forth where I'd constantly think, Why am I doing this to myself? It's total stress and pressure and I hate this and I'm killing myself and and or you know, that would be before the gig. And then I might – if it's a bad gig, I'm like, ugh, I'm done. But then I would have a good one and I'd be like – I would try again and again and again just to have that feeling again because there's nothing like it. It's the greatest high. It's, it's the greatest drug. It really is. It, and now I don't even think like now if I have a bad gig, I'm like, OK, it's a bad gig. Yeah. We'll get I'll more. have another good one. We'll have another good one. Yeah. Those are the – yeah. Those are pretty cool. When, when they don't good. laugh at the squirrel, I know it's them. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. How dare they? How dare somebody not laugh yeah. at the squirrel? Yeah. Look it up on YouTube. No one could be offended by that. It's not offensive. No. I mean, unless... I mean, I do offensive things, but that's not one Unless of you're a squirrel widow or something that, you know, your squirrel spouse died of starvation and... I don't know. Yeah. No. The best squirrel gave... It was recently at a at a uh, brewery over in uh, Glendale. Okay. And there was a, a dog in the audience who... Didn't make a peep throughout the entire show. Oh, no. Not one sound. Nothing. And then I went on, and at the end of my set, I did the squirrel, and that dog went mental. <laughs> and it had not made a peep throughout the rest of the show. So I was like, that dog believed me. He thought you were squirrely. He did. That's so cool. Well, let me ask you this. Um, I know that you now own a house. I do. Or you own it with the bank, maybe. Yes. I don't know. Yep. Um, what is the biggest financial purchase you've made in the last five years um, and you felt good about it? Hmm. The last five years. It could be three. It might be a, a, 
a laptop computer. Okay. <laughs> you know, because I like I buy used ca- cars and like I'm not really I don't really buy big things. I think that's because I value my freedom. Right. More than stuff. And um, the house obviously is a, is a big was a big one. Um, but I was still going to have to pay to live somewhere. So that was true. And and now it feels like I think I pay less for that than I would if I had to rent. Yeah, for sure. And if you sell it, you get your money back. Exactly. It's such a good deal. Yeah. If I, as long as I get out before the termites finish the place off. Oh, well, there you go. That, keep it. But yeah, I don't really buy things. Where so did you much. get and where do you think you developed that habit? Like you said you don't Probably spend from big- my family, but also when I went to do comedy, so I I saved up money so that I could give myself 6 months to do comedy and not worry about, you know, so I could pay my rent and get by. And then that six months turned into 30 years. Um, but in, but partly because I, I would rather live, uh, more, um, cheaply Mm -hmm. than sell my time to something I don't want to do. And how do you like in the present, how do you analyze? Oh, and I'm also really good at uh at math mm-hmm. and so i had a credit card scheme for many years okay where <laughs> i was living on debt but i knew how to like shuffle the cards oh so that i was paying zero percent and i was and i would fill out those forms and they'd say how much money do you make and i would say sixty five thousand dollars because i thought that's what i should be making <laughs> or that was the amount of all the credit lines that i had and they would just give me the credit. And I was wow. able to keep a perfect credit score. Wow. Even though I was just shuffling money around credit but cards. Did, was that not stressful? I have a couple friends and I have several clients. They have like 20 cards. Yeah. And they're always got to make sure that this one gets paid by June because then it goes – if they the zero right. then goes into 23%. Yeah. I just don't feel like I could handle that Spreadsheet. Pressure. You got to have a spreadsheet. And the other thing is once you put – transfer your balance onto that zero – you got to cut up that card because the second you charge anything on it, that zero balance goes away. Okay. Because any payment you make toward it is not about that. So, so you have to use it as a loan. Okay. So it, it's just a strategy. Now, do you? That's still where use- my my uh, education came in handy. I think. Oh, so that's good. <laughs> that's good. And then, how do you analyze now whether you're going to buy something or not buy something, or to spend or not spend, or how do you decide that that's time being taken away that's not worth mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So it's um, – I think having more money and like not worrying about how am I going to – has been really nice in a lot of ways because like if I get a parking ticket or something, I'm not like melting down like this is going to ruin my life. So I do spend more more money more easily now on things that might save me time or that I want. Um, and food is one area where I kind of don't hold back on myself. Um, so what was the question? Yeah, no, that's how do you how do you how do weigh? I decide? Yeah. Um I I think it's become almost subconscious where I don't really think about it so much, but but I'm kind of cheap. Like if there's I'm going to look for the, you know, the cheapest way to get something that's decent. But you'll pay $5 instead of 3 if it's really worth it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> Just, I'm going to get those boy sneakers. between you and your dad a that's little bit right. of difference. That's right. A little more compassion. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And um do you, and maybe this is a secret, but I know that you're married. I am. 
And I'm, you know, I don't know if that's allowed, but I um, married a man because it was legal at the time. Oh my God, seriously? Yeah. They just made that legal, right? Oh no, no, that's it, yeah. I mean, if I'd waited, I could have married a woman. Yeah, smoked pot. Yeah, you just you couldn't wait. Nope. Do you discuss budgets with him? Do you discuss money? Do you share money? Do you? Good questions. So actually, we have a really cool relationship around money. And it started right from the very beginning, and I have to say so much of it's because he's a generous, cool person. Because when we got together, I had a lot of student loans, and uh, he didn't. But we both kind of knew we were serious about being together, so he paid off my student loans a few months into us dating. Wow. And the reason being because, like, we were just like, we are one unit. It's like, you know, if I'm paying all this percentage on this – it's ultimately going to affect both of us. And so he just paid it off. And we've had joint accounts pretty much since almost the beginning. I do the accounting. So uh, that's nice. <laughs> and the credit card maneuvering. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. That's good. And for a long time, he, he made most, you know, he did most of the earning. Right. Um, and now, actually, I'm the breadwinner. Oh, there you go. It's been interesting. Yeah. Has that changed the dynamic or is it pretty, I mean, you guys seem pretty, like, current and forward-thinking and not traditionally locked into men should make more than yeah. women. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we're both pretty cool about that. And, you know, he does a lot of the things that, like, I sometimes say – tease him and say he, he's a great wife. But he does – he, like, does the shopping and the cleaning and he does all those things to support me because I'm spending a lot of time working. And are you more expensive or are your cats more expensive? Oh, that's a good question. They are expensive. Because um, they're well taken care of. They are. They have their own little cat house. They have a catio. Yeah. Yeah, the catio. Yeah. And one of them's on psych meds too. So wow. that's a commitment. But we we all have a kind of uh, – all of us in our house have a DNR, like a do not resuscitate. Right. <laughs> so and we all live the hospice lifestyle. Okay. So we want everyone to be comfortable and not in pain, but we're not going to do like crazy interventions right. with medicine. You break and a leg or lose a lung, it's it's bye-bye. Well, it's like if you broke the leg and you could fix it and you keep going, you know, we'll do that. Yeah. But if it's going to be, you know, chemo and who knows, I'm probably not yeah. going to torture you with that. Yeah. yeah. Just enjoy your veggies. Yeah. Have yeah. some ice cream. Yeah. And uh, long, nice sleep. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So what advice would you give to yourself, knowing what you know now, mm -hmm. to you starting out as a comic slash federal reservist? Well, the biggest piece of advice I always give to, to young comics is to separate uh, what you get paid from your value because they have nothing to do with each other. Mm. You could get paid zero or $1,000 for the same set. Uh, and it's, you know, as an artist, you, you know, you want to get paid if you can, yeah. but don't judge yourself by that. Do you feel like – do you believe in the starving artist theory? Which is? Well, you got to be poor and broke to be a true artist. No, I don't believe that. I mean, I think um, I think it can be really, really hard if you're poor and broke yeah. to, you know, it, it's just, it's a lot of stress and stress isn't, isn't great. You don't have as many choices. Yeah. You know, and I know a lot of comics who've eaten a lot of uh, garnishes at the bar for meals. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not ideal. Is that why the garnish expense here is so high? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that you can use anything and you can use the starvingness and the, and the, um, the struggle 
in your art, but I don't think you need to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and it's interesting because my mom was an artist and always broke and didn't know anything about finance. And my dad was more, you know, intellectual and still broke. Um, and I think for me, I had a real struggle with artist and creativity because I equate it with, I want to be broke mm -hmm. like my parents. And I, cause we, you got it, over that. I did get over that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. But I got to say for a long time, I mean, I had a real, like my parents pretended that we were upper middle class, but we were not. Mm. We, you know, it was tight with five kids. It was tight. They yeah. probably should have stopped at one, right. maybe two. Yeah. Um, or maybe they shouldn't have. Mine shouldn't have. Yeah, some people shouldn't anyway. have children. Yeah. But um, I'm not saying mine, but um, but maybe. And I think there was just this thing of I want to have money. I want to have choice. Mm -hmm. I like I didn't want to be starving because mm -hmm. I did that as a child and it wasn't fun. Yeah. So, yeah. And you knew it as a child. And I knew it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of kids don't. They don't realize that they're poor. Well, you know, it's like I remember everybody took the biology trip in June in 11th grade. Everybody goes on the biology trip. It was a small town, public schools, except Bob because mm. I didn't have the hundred dollars. And I'm like, everybody went away for the weekend and I stayed and worked at Burger King. Um, so you didn't. I did. I worked at Burger King. I I worked the fries. I worked the hamburger mm -hmm. machine. I worked the, sh the shake machine for a day. I got demoted. It was really cool. I'm sorry. It was, yeah, I didn't have it my way. Well, I joke about not having kids because they're expensive. They are. Um, and, you know, with the animals, sometimes it's hard just to put food on the floor. I know. <laughs> it is. But if you put it up high, at least the cats can jump to it. Yeah. Right. I mean, the puppies, not so much. Mm -hmm. They're going to go hungry. Yeah. They are. So let me ask you this. Um, we're, we're coming to the close. Um, oh, my God. It went by so fast. I know. It did. It's – I. We should do four hours. Totally. You're to come back and we're going to do like just two hours on the Federal Reserve. Yeah. And then we're going to do an hour on pet expense. You know what? I will say this about the, – so the Federal Reserve, I was so miserable. Uh, I hated it so much. And, you know, and that had to do also with my colleagues and what – you know, the whole thing was just not for me. And, uh, and I was in this hotel room in the middle of New Hampshire, suicidal. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to do comedy. And I, it really came down to, am I going to kill myself or quit and, and become a comic? And so I kind of credit how awful that was for giving me that kick in the ass to say, well, if I'm going to off myself, I might as well try this. Well, no, I, and you know what? I think there's something to that. If you have a job that's bad enough, it makes you look at other choices. Mm -hmm. If it was comfy enough right. or the people were just nice enough, eh, maybe I'll. Yeah. So in some ways, having um, a very extreme experience yeah. makes it a lot easier to go, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Did they joke a lot? Were they really fun and friendly? And <sighs> No. Yeah. No. In fact, they, I, was, uh, I got in trouble for insubordination because uh, I refused to prove that I was not an illegal alien. <laughs> Uh, that was during the Reagan time where they decided that – Everybody was – Where the whole I-9 thing came in. So that was oh, kind of – Was that – has a long – that came in – oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And, I, you know, at the time I was a communist. So it was like <laughs> I was not about to do that. Don't do that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you for one last tip and then I'm going to ask people where they can – I'm, I'm not going to ask people. I'm going to ask you where people can find you. But 
what would be what is the one thing you do to save money like in the present is there like do you save coupons do you look at a big purchase and think about it for three days like what is a tip for people oh well i don't i always pay off my credit cards so i don't carry any balance on there cool I, i have debt right but you but not on a credit card okay um and I, you know, I I look around, I shop, I you know, I and with the internet, it's so easy to find like the right. And I I try to shop at places that are easy to return things to. Oh, okay. Uh, like Costco, for example, they'll take anything back, and that makes it easier to kind of try something out, or, you know, yeah. That's cool. So, where can people find you on social media? They can find me at Costco. They can find you at Costco. <laughs> She'll be in the return item lane. Uh, yeah. No, it's fa- on Facebook. Facebook. Um, and, they, and, you know, you, they can friend me. I, I do have a fan page, but I'm really just everyone's on my friend page. And uh, Twitter, uh, just at Betsy Sawkind. Okay. Yeah. And do you have a, a Squirrel Lady website or is that? Oh, I do have a website. Yeah. BetsySawkind.com. Well, there you go. And there's videos. Now, how did you come up with that, that name? That BetsySawkind.com? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems so unique. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, because by the time I decided I should change my name, it was too late. I was kind of known for that. So. Oh, so. I just went with it. You just went and with it. And it wasn't taken yet. So. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That works. Yeah. Thanks. Good. That's good. Well, this is the one and only Betsy Salkine. And I'm so glad that you were here today. Um, I hope people look you up. And I want to say to people, don't forget to share the laughs. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money Should Ask, all one word. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. For more stories, podcast episodes, financial tools, and upcoming seminars, be sure to check out themoneynerve.com. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Keep them laughing. Awesome.